you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. some energy to worship. Let's give all of our youth and chaperones and parents that traveled. God bless you. I got no calls, no reports, no engagements that I'm aware of. Nothing, nothing that I'm aware of. And I'm thankful. <laughs> thankful for that. Amen. Luke chapter 8. If you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me, Luke chapter 8 going to read five verses, beginning with the 22nd chapter of the book of Luke, the 8th the eighth chapter, the 22nd verse, Luke 8 and 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day, before I read this, let me stop just for a moment, because I realized my wife did not give anybody a week's warning to know what Next Sunday night, back to school. It is Sneaker Sunday night. If you don't have sneakers, go buy you some sneakers. If you don't have money to buy sneakers, go talk to Brother Dan. He'll loan you some money and get you some sneakers. Sneaker Sunday night. It's going to be fun. All the kids wear their new sneakers for, for school, and you wear the closest thing to sneakers you've got. My sneakers may be clawed hoppers, but whatever they may be, we're going to, we're going to wear them when we come back in here next Sunday night. It's going to be a great time. Hope you bring somebody with you. Amen. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side. Everybody say the other side. Let us go over unto the other side of the lake and they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. 
then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. Everybody say there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wandered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes. Everybody say they arrived. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. By the help of the Lord, for a little while today, I'm going to talk to you about the other side. The other side. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have put into my spirit. I pray, Lord, that every heart in this room that came in under the load and bearing the burden today may leave walking in faith and victory and hope. Lord, I pray your anointed saturate the preacher today and the hearts of the hearers this morning. Lord, do what only you can do in every heart and life. We pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, there is another side. You can be seated. We should just stop right where we are this morning and take a little praise break because there is another side to the storm. I felt so strongly in my spirit yesterday to preach this encouraging word to somebody because we all walk through valleys and dark places and trials and tests and sickness and disappointments and hurts and pain. And in the middle of it, sometimes fear overcomes us and doubt replaces every ray of hope. And when hopelessness sets in, it feels like we're always going to be in the dilemma that we are in. And I came this morning, I'm not preaching to those that may go through it next week, and I'm not preaching to those that, that, that have already come through it and are out the other side. But I want to encourage somebody that's in the storm today to tell you there is another side to the storm that you're going through. I want to preach hope and faith into somebody this morning and tell you that God is not going to leave you in your dilemma. But there is hope for you. There is faith for you. There is another side. The enemy wants you to believe that it is all hopeless, that you are in a helpless situation, and that this is your lot in life. But I come this morning to speak against the enemy that would like to fill your heart with depression, with doubt, and with fear, and tell you the devil is a liar. There is another side to the storm. It may have lasted for a while, but the Lord said trouble won't last always. Get some faith in you. Get a word of encouragement in you and declare today there is another side to the storm. If they were paying attention when they got in the boat, before they ever got into the boat to go to the other side, Jesus had already told them, let's go to the other side. God never speaks a word that he does not intend to fulfill. He would have never told them, let's go to the other side, if he had not intended to meet them alive on the other side. 
but between where you are and where you're going, there's going to be storms. There's going to be disappointments and tragedies. Some we'll bring on ourselves, but some are just a fact of life, and it's just going to happen. And there's nothing you or anybody else can do about it because it rains on the just and on the unjust. But I come this morning to tell you that when the Lord said, get in the ship and let's go to the other side, he already had predestined the fact that they were all going to make it to the other side. Can I preach to CLC this morning? And tell somebody in this room that when you got in this race, there is an end to the race. There is another side. The storm of life may come. It may cause you to become weary. It may beat you down. It may frustrate you, hurt you, disappoint you. But there is another side to your storm. This is not just one scripture I picked from this morning, but I could have preached this for several texts throughout the Bible for those of you that need biblical clarity uh, from three or four different references to understand and believe what I'm preaching before you'll allow faith to arise in your heart this morning. In Luke chapter 6, there is a story about a house that was built upon a foundation of sand. It was a poor foundation and the Bible said that the winds came and the storm came and the flood came and when it came, great was the fall of the house. But then it in the same parable tells a story about another house that was built and that house was built upon a rock and it was a sure foundation and it was a solid foundation and when the storm came and the wind came and, and the rain came it stood against all of the elements and was still standing on the other side of the storm. Listen, the parable that Jesus talks about and the story related in Luke chapter 6 was nothing about a, a house that fell. But the point was is that there was another side to the storm and if you were in the right house, everything's going to be all right. That's why when the storms of life come, it's not time to run away from God, to run away from the people of God, to run away from the house of God, but it's time to look for a firm foundation. It's time to look for the stone that the builders rejected, the tried stone, the chief cornerstone. Anchor your life in Jesus Christ. Rest your soul in Jesus Christ because he is the anchor of our soul, both steadfast and sure. doesn't matter how perfect things seem when there's no testing. If there was no testing life, life would get boring to all of us. There would be no joy without testing. It is, it, 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 it's the one that stands through the testing and comes out the other side that has a testimony. You have no testimony if you didn't stand through the test. If you throw in the towel when you go through a test, you lose your testimony. But it is to the one that stands through the storm and you're still standing when the other side, when you come out the other side, that will come out with a testimony. So when somebody else gets in the storm, you can tell them, hey, I've been there. 
I've walked through it. I've been down the road. I know what pain feels like. I know what hurt feels like. I know what discouragement feels like. But God kept me. God saw me through. God saw me out the other side. I wish somebody that's been serving God for a while in this house this morning would get a hold of what your pastor's preaching today and you would encourage somebody down the row from where you were sitting in front of you or behind you and tell them I once was young and now I'm old and I've been through a few storms but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread when I was hungry he fed me when I was thirsty he gave me water to drink when I was in pain he was the medicine that strengthened my spirit he was the lifter of my head he was the encouragement he didn't leave me and forsake me but he was with me until I got out the other side and you too can get out the other side come on somebody that's been through a few things ought to testify with your praise today God's been good to me God's kept me when I when I didn't deserve it he still kept me Another side to the story. Man, it's the living that we do after the storm that matters. Because before you're tested and before you're tried, before you have a testimony, who are you going to be able to help? I don't understand why God allows us to go through some things. But if he didn't allow us to go through some things, if every time trouble came, he just removed you from it, removed you from it, we would have a weak church, a bunch of weak Christians. But he allows us to go through some things so it builds some stamina and builds some strength. A few weeks ago, I became ill. A few months ago, became ill. Went to the doctor and they prescribed uh, a steroid and I took the steroid and I was doing great as long as I was on the steroid. When I came off the steroid, I, I, I became ill again. And I called the doctor and I said I, I was doing great, but I didn't get quite through the other side. So they prescribed another steroid. This type steroid is usually only given once or at most twice a year. And yet, then even a third time I was prescribed the same steroid in about 40 days I was given about a year and a half worth of steroids you can imagine what that did to my immune system and how that affected me listen if God just gave you a little punch on Sunday and said this is all you need and this is going to get you through and, and he removed every problem and every storm out of your life you would you would not become immune to things what happens is is your immune system your spirit spiritual immune system becomes destroyed to the fact that the smallest of things will bring offense in your life. It'll affect you negatively, not in a positive way until my immune system is gone and then all of a sudden I am susceptible to every little sniffle and every little thing that came by that normally I would be able just to walk through and have no issue with. But now my immune system is stripped and the doctor says, oh my, now if you get something, you have no ability to fight it back and you've been on these, these meds for so long now, we wouldn't have much ability to help you. Now you're in trouble. The best thing for you to do is isolate. 
it's always the prescription. I'm not calling the doctor the devil. I thank God for my doctor. But that's what the devil will tell you every time. The devil will tell you every time what you need to do is isolate. What you need to do is get away from the house of God. What you need to do is get away from the people of God. And that is the worst thing you can do. When my wife was battling cancer, the doctor told her the same thing. I got up on Sunday morning. I said, you're not going to church today. You're staying home. And she said, what do you mean? I I have to go to church today. And so I I won, and she stayed home. I came home, and she was just in in some sort of a funk that day. And, And for two or three days afterwards, the next Sunday, it came time for church, and she got up early and started getting ready. I got up, and I said, Annette, you're not going. The doctor said, you can't be around crowds. The doctor, she said, listen to me. Yes, ma'am. She said, it is more damaging for me to be here when church is going on and trying to watch online when I want to be in the house of God. It is more damaging for me to be here than anything that I might catch when I'm there. She said, so you go ahead and take care of yourself. I'm going to church this morning. And she got up. I never said another word. She came against doctor's orders. You do it your way. You do the way you want it. But she said, I need to be in the house of God because that's where my strength comes and that's where my help comes and that's where... Come on, the enemy gets you in a point of depression and discouragement and all sorts of things and begins to tell you, you ought to stay home. You ought to become a recluse. You ought to just, you need to rebuke the devil and he will flee from you. And you need to tell him, get behind me. I want in the middle of whatever God is doing, in the middle of wherever it's happening, because this is where my help comes. There's another side to this. I won't always be where I am. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Watch this, watch this. A great part of Noah's life, about 120 years, he spent preparing the ark for a five-month flood. They say the, the flood lasted about five months. But the Bible says, and Noah lived after the flood 350 years. Think about that. What we normally identify Noah with is what? Go ask any of the Sunday school kids, tell me about Noah, and they say, the flood, the ark. Because that's the first thought that comes in mind. A lot of people are known by their flood. What we fail to notice is the majority of Noah's life was lived after he went through the flood. See, people become identified with their storm. That's that's the family that lost their home. That's that's the family that ended up in divorce. That's the that's 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 the young man that was hurt by what somebody said. That's the young lady that was wounded as a child. The living that he did after the flood was what separated Noah from everybody else. The flood was the defining event for his life. But what he did after he got through it is what really mattered. I feel the help of the Lord this morning. 
I'm trying to tell somebody, I'm not discounting your storm. I'm not discounting what you've been through. But you need to get a predetermined disposition about what you are going to do when you get out the other side. Because the speak, the peace speaker is right there and he can speak peace and calm the storm. And you will get to the other side. But when you get to the other side, what are you going to do? Because the greatest days of your life are not behind you. The greatest days of your life are on the other side of your storm. Come on, somebody. God didn't bring you to where you are to leave you here, but your best days are ahead of you. Oh, I wish somebody would give God a shout of praise this morning. the storms of life just to stop them and wreck their future. I was a young teenager. My dad was going to spend some father-son time with me and I loved to fish. Wanted to go offshore deep sea fishing for red snapper in the Gulf of Mexico. And so my dad got it set up. Galveston, Texas, boarded a boat. We went out about 60 miles, and we were fishing. And while we're fishing, the captain came on, and he said, uh, if you look across, you'll see uh, thunderstorms, a pretty good-sized thunderstorm that has come up. And uh, we have two options. We either can turn and head back in and run from it and try to beat it in or either we can try to go through it and out the other side but the radar says that out the other side that there's some peaceful seas and we've got some great fishing spots out the other side of this but it's we'll be about 100 miles out and we'll make our run back into shore longer but we're, we're willing to take the chance since we're so early in the day and in our fishing charter. And so we're going to ask everybody to reel up, come inside, tuck in, because we're about to go through a storm. I had never been through a storm like this in my life. We were in a 60-foot chartered fishing vessel. We get inside, the waves begin to build, the rain begins to fall, and before long we're in a storm that I can hardly describe. The waves were so large that the boat would feel like it literally would just stop going into the wave and it would just sit for a moment and kind of shudder and then feel like it would finally catch hold and then it would launch forward and as it would launch forward and go over and down into the swell on the other side and when it did water would come over and all the windows were blinded and I, I began to wonder if we were going to make it out the other side. There were people laying in the floor. There was a line for the restroom. There were people sitting with buckets. That's as far as I'm going with this. 
I tried to look brave. I'm looking at my dad. I'm trying to find out. And dad, um, what do you think? And he smiled and said, ah, these guys do this all the time. This is nothing. Well, you sure? <laughs> Absolutely so. And get up and leave the one thing for somebody that's never been through a storm, when you get in the storm, you begin to wonder if the ship can even handle the storm. Particularly when you look around and you see people falling, when you see other people that don't have the stamina to be able to stand. I'm ministering to somebody right now. But the Spirit of the Lord sent me here this morning to tell you that in this old ship of Zion, it's weathered some storms. It's got some scars to prove that it's been through the fire and it's been through the flood. Uh, uh, but my God, I want you to know something. If you stay in the ship, you're going to survive. There's no hope for you if you decide you're going to jump ship. You're not going to be able to survive in this, in this world of turmoil and chaos and storms. But as long as you stay in the old ship of Zion, she's going to weather the storm and make it out the other side. I hear our father saying, I hear the voice of the captain saying, just stay the course. Just lock down and hold on. I remember what it felt like when all of of a sudden a ray of hope of sunlight began to shine through those windows uh, and the storm began to cease and the boat stopped shuddering and things leveled out and we got it out the other side of that storm and that ocean, that, that, that Gulf of Mexico had laid down flat and some of the best fishing I had ever experienced uh, in my life and we're out laughing and talking and carrying on uh, and we had big long stringers of red snapper and we were excited about it and some had caught limits and they were out catching other kind of fish and, and everybody was celebrating and rejoicing because we had made it through. When we turned around and headed back, there was a little problem. And the problem was we were still going to have to go back through the same storm in order to get back to the shore. See, sometimes somebody says, well, you know, I, I made it through. I'll never have another one like this again. You may have one just like it. God never promised you a bed of roses. I've got a friend right now that battled for his very own life, uh, received a call some time ago, and he's back in the battle and back in the struggle, and I'm praying and fasting and believing God for him, and I'm talking to him and trying to encourage him. Who would have thought he would ever have to go through what he's going through right now yet a second time? It's life. Uh, it's the way it happened, but I come to tell you uh, that no matter what you go through and how many times you have to go through it, uh, there is another side to all of this because there is a place where there's no more pain and no more sorrow and no more weeping and no more it's a city where the lamb is the light. You won't have to worry about paying your electric bill. You won't have to worry about sickness and sorrow. There is a place on the other side. Oh, somebody put your hands together and give God 
should have been praised today. I've known people that get into such a tragedy and life seemingly just stops. But then there's those that keep their eyes on the prize. They remember that trouble that lasts always. Job, in the 13th chapter, in the 15th verse, Job said it like this. He said, though he slay me, side to all this. If there wasn't another side to it, why in the world would, would, he, would he trust him? Ezekiel listed three men. He listed Noah, Daniel, and Job. He said, though these three men, Ezekiel 14, 14, he said, Those, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. What was it that defined Noah, Daniel, and Job? For Noah, it was the flood. Before the flood, Noah built an ark. After the flood, Noah replenished the world as we know it. For Daniel, it was a lion's den. Before the lion's den, Daniel interpreted the king's vision. After the lion's den, God gave Daniel his own vision. For Job, it was everything except his life. Before losing it all, Job was the wealthiest man in the east. After his trouble, God gave him double for his trouble, twice what he originally had. And the issue is, Noah, Daniel, and Job all lived to see the other side. The other side of the flood. The other side of the lion's den and the other side of total loss. I shared with you a parable of Jesus when he talks about the house that was built when the flood came. The fact that it stood after the storm was the purpose and the point of the whole parable because it's the living we do on the other side that matters. It's what happens on the other side that matters. You'll have storms, but you have to make up your mind because here's the thing. The Lord gave us the ability to choose, and if you choose to quit in the middle of your storm, when it gets tough, Those of you that have battled addiction, you understand that the battle, you don't just win the battle in three or four days and it's over and never get another one again. And some of you get up every day and you keep fighting it. Oh, the battle's far more than that. You don't have to be ashamed. Some of you battle every day. The struggle is real. You've got to make up your mind. No matter how bad the storm gets, I'm not going back because there's no hope in retreat. I built my life on the foundation of the Word of God, and I'm not going back to the beggarly element of the world. I'm not going back.
back into my life of sin. I'm not going back into my despair. I'm not going back on God. I'm moving forward in God. When I pass this test, there may be a greater test ahead of me, but I'm moving to the next level. I'm not staying where I am. To go to the next level, i got to pass the next test. I understand it, and I'm going through it. The battle may be tougher tomorrow than it was today, but I'm not giving up. You know why? Because they tell me of a home on the other side. They tell me of a place where I'm not going to deal with this any longer. They tell me of a place of hope. On the other side, Isaiah 59, 19, when the spirit, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lay hold of David against him. A lot of people want to say, well, what happens when the enemy comes in like a flood? King James writers put the comment there. If you've never heard me extrapolate from this passage. I want you to mark it in your Bibles, Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Maybe the King James writers put the comment in the wrong spot. Maybe it's not when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Maybe it's when the enemy comes in like a flood. Maybe it's when the enemy comes in upon like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. It's all in perspective there. Somebody says, well, what is it? I, I don't know. I'm not, a, I, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, uh, I, I, I'm not able to translate that properly and tell you exactly, but I will tell you this much. I've never seen the enemy come in like a flood and catch God by surprise. But you know what I have seen? I have seen the enemy rise up against me and like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord comes in and raises up a standard against him. I come to tell you I feel the Spirit of the Lord coming on somebody's behalf this morning saying I've been watching you all along and as soon as you can get your faith up, I'm going to come in like a flood and strengthen you and encourage you and lift you up and strengthen you. First Peter chapter 5. The writer says, Be sober and be, vig be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Sounds to me like if you'll allow him, the enemy will destroy you. Verse 9 tells us, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Can you interpret that for me? That means the writer James says it rains on the just and the unjust. That means whether you're in the church or out of the church, you're going to deal with affliction. You're going to deal with troubles. You're going to deal with storms. The difference is, is either you have God on your side or you try to do it by yourself. Oh, I know. I know. Why don't you trust in others? You, you, why don't you get you a posse? Why don't you get you a group and just trust in them? Put all your trust in them. Listen, one writer said it right. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Mm -hmm. You can trust whomever you want, 
I'm not trusting in, in, in organization. I'm not trusting in religion. I'm not, you know what, I'm, tr I'm trusting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the anchor of my soul. When I get in the middle of it, you know what, I want to know that I'm in the same boat with him. And if I'm in the same boat with him, he will pe speak peace in the midst of my storm. And when he said we'll go to the other side, we're going to the other side. There's not a devil in hell that can keep us from getting through this. Come on, child of God. You didn't start serving him for him to leave you in the storm to die where you are, but he's going to see you through to the other side. Oh, why don't you stand and give him praise this morning? Why don't you lift up your voice right now and magnify him? Come on, he's going to be with you through the storm. He's going to see you out the other side you're in this room this morning and you don't know the Lord and the power of the Holy Ghost, if you're in this room today and you're not walking with the Lord and you're like, hey, what you preached sounded good, but I don't know him like that, I want to invite you to get to know him today. It's real simple. All you got to do is just come and talk to him like your best friend, pour your heart out to him and tell him, God, I'm sorry for choosing my path all, this, all these years, but today I want to turn around and I want you to forgive me of everything I've ever done in my past and let me start afresh and anew. We've got clothes and a baptismal tank ready to baptize you this morning and God will fill you with a baptism of his spirit and you can start a brand new life all over again with God being at the center of your life. It's your opportunity. It's your chance. I ask you this morning, would you consider Heads are bowed, eyes are closed in the room. Nobody's moving around right now. God's dealing with hearts. If I've spoken to you this morning, why don't you step from where you are and walk to the front of this room? You don't have to do so by yourself. I'll invite the whole church to come with you and so you can walk with them. Maybe you're standing next to somebody. Bump them on the shoulder and tell them, walk with me. We're coming to the front right now at the count of three. One, two, three. Everybody's coming forward together right now. That's it. Come forward right now. Don't wait. Step forward now. Come give your heart to the Lord this morning. Come on, he's going to see you through. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Turn it for good. Turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn.
walking in, through a trial in your life, would you just lift your hand unashamed? Lift your hand real high. If you're walking through, I want you to look around right now. We have hands raised. Why don't we gather with those who, whose hands are raised today? And as a church body, why don't we pray for them? Why don't we encourage them? We have a, one over here. We have a couple over here. Now, church, I need you to move this morning. You've been real quiet today. I need you to move now. We need to pray together. Is that all right? Come on, I want you to gather around just a couple people now. I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to encourage them right now that trouble's not going to last always. Come on, they're going to make it through this. They're going to make it through this. You take what the enemy meant for me, and you turn it for good. Come on, that's it. Encourage one another today. Encourage one another today. You take what the enemy meant for me, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Say you take what the enemy. Turn 